2: You know, after lip trills and some like yoga stretching and maybe some sun salutations to get the blood moving because I'm a firm believer that our voices cannot be awake until our bodies are. My sort of fail-proof favorite exercise that I've only recently learned, but I'm using it all the time. It sounds ridiculous, but it's incredible. It's a panting exercise and it connects your support to whatever's happening vocally. And it goes through all the vowels and then an ooh. So it sounds like this. e. Eh, ah, ah oh, ooh. And That ooh should be really like nice and hooty and heady. Ooh, and as connected as possible. But going through the vowels that way in a really nice, open, rounded sort of tone and connecting it to the breath like that. It sounds so simple and basic, and I'm telling you, it is magic.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Artistic Beginnings.
1: Yeah, Artistic Beginnings. We are here. We are here.
0: I hope you all had a a good week, a productive week, or a lazy week, you know, in quarantine times. You got to have some lazy days. Take care of yourself.
1: Yeah. Hope you're still staying creative.
0: Drink some water.
1: Making music. Yes doing art
0: creative and hydrated dancing we should make a t-shirt that says creative and hydrated
1: Ooh, yeah hydration <laughs> the next best thing to breathing
0: hydration and creation i love it
1: i'm sure it exists
0: anyway <laughs> this week on our show we have juliana hansen
1: yeah super amazing working in disney stuff and and all of the cool work that she's done
0: yeah, we really run the gamut of everything that could happen to a performer—from getting kicked out of school, performing with Disney, to being a performing singing waitress, to you know being on a national tour. Lots of things. Yeah,
1: we even talk about a lot of really relevant pop culture things. Oh like yes, To Lipa,
0: <laughs> and the Tiger King. <laughs> uh, well,
1: of course, the Tiger King.
0: God, <laughs> make sure to stay tuned till the end of the episode for that lovely discussion on is the Tiger King truly art. I would love to hear your opinions on that as well. Not yours, Mitchell. I already know yours, but yours, the general yours of the listeners. So let us know.
1: I think I'm right. Okay. I think the listeners know okay. that well,
0: well, we'll, what the
1: we'll right see. answer we'll is. I'm not going to reveal we'll put
0: it. Put a poll out there and see what people think.
1: Yeah, Tiger King or not.
0: Oh my goodness. Art. Exactly.
1: Well, well Juliana is definitely art and an artist. So uh, really glad that we got to speak with her and, and we should listen to the conversation we had.
2: Yeah, let's jump on in. I have been, uh, performing in some capacity since I was four years old and professionally. I'm sure lots of artists say the same thing because I think it's really a, a running through line with our lives, but. My mom says before I was talking, I was singing, I could repeat melodies and sounds and things like that. And I grew up in a house with a musician father who held band practice downstairs in our basement every week and, you know, learning harmonies at an early age. But when I was four, my sister wanted to be a model and she'd gone through some school, modeling school and, you know, acting classes and stuff. And my mom took her to an open call for agencies in san francisco we were living in the bay area at the time and she dragged me along with her because what else was she going to do with me and my sister went into the room and then you know came out and said i i hated it and i don't like people looking at me and i don't want to do this and i'm sorry And I said, I want to try. So my mom sent me in the room. And I don't remember much about it. But I do remember a room full of people asking me to sing something. One man being like, you could sing Happy Birthday. And I was like, "Mm, I don't like that song. I'll sing You Made Me Love You by Judy Garland. And uh, I clearly remember that. And I don't really remember anything else about that day, but my mom says that I walked out holding hands with somebody who said, we love her and we want to sign her. And I started doing print modeling. And from there, I started doing some educational docu-series. You know, there's not tons of TV and film in San Francisco, but some video work, educational videos and stuff. And then eventually, you know, my first musical when I was five, I played Molly and Annie. And that was cool because it was a really long run. It was just a community theater production. I think the show opened in like October or November. And by like my birthday in January, we were still in in a run. I had a Annie themed birthday cake that my mom made me. and So it was a nice long run of, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday shows. And it really, I think, was a great introduction into the world of acting and singing and the craziness it is to be a performer. (laughs) (laughs)
1: When you first started off in the role of Molly and everything, were you ever scared of doing the performing in front of large groups? Was that your first time kind of being in front of that large of an audience?
2: It was my first time being in front of an audience of that scale because on, on modeling gigs and on camera stuff, it's a much smaller crew that you're performing for. I was a little apprehensive about dancing in the song You're Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile. Dance, for some reason, I started young. I was in, you know, baby tap class and did little recitals, but I've never felt very confident with my dancing. Ironic that the first Broadway national tour I got cast in was thoroughly modern Millie. <laughs> Cause all I did in that show was dance. Yeah. But I do remember being a little nervous about having to learn choreography as a child in Annie. Aside from that, though, I I was overly confident with the singing of this, memorizing my lines and shouting them out. And, yeah. So I remember that experience as just being pure bliss and just realizing that like, that was the greatest thing in the world to do. and I wanted to do so much more.
1: <laughs> Did you feel like that was kind of a launching point for you? Did that happen simply when you were doing the print work and the other kind of project that you were doing?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a launching point. I think it gave me some good sort of preliminary experience for jobs to come, which would make more of a significant impact in my life. But, you know, I think I would consider the launching point literally just singing in the house with my with my dad and my uncle. I don't see the community theater production as being much different than that. You know, of course, mm. there were jobs that I booked a little later in my career. By the time I was like six, seven years old, we were doing frequent trips to L.A. and I had a Los Angeles agent and I was doing commercials and voice acting and things like that. And I think that that I would consider more of a launching point when my San Francisco agent said, I want to introduce her to somebody down in LA because I think she should be doing more. And that was a launch from non-union work to lots of union jobs and a new level of professionalism, I guess.
1: Awesome. So you said that you would sing with your dad and your uncle. Were they particularly musical? Is that where you get your initial artistic drive from?
2: Yeah, my dad, he and my uncle were in a band for like 25 years. That's how they earned their living moderately successful some radio play but you know not much and mostly long-term gigs at different venues around town and playing events for people weddings and parties and things like that but they definitely I mean they're super talented musicians and singers and I think just kind of being around that from the beginning is sort of where I learned a lot, like right off the bat, you know, my dad and I, you know, would sing songs in harmony. And then we got so good at singing together that we'd like mess with each other by like jumping to the other person's part and forcing them down to ours, turning it into like fun little annoying games with each other. And I think it it really laid a foundation for when I started singing professionally. I was ahead of, you know, some of my peers in that way, because I had such a rich background of it just in my family life.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Did you find that a lot of the people that were around you and not necessarily like your immediate family, but kind of the surrounding community also kind of fueled that piece? I I just heard you say that, and it's very much the influence that Melody and I had where both of Mm -hmm. our parents were very, very involved in the arts and all of their friends were as well. And we just naturally grew into that based on who we saw the most in our lives.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean, you know, outside of my dad and my uncle, I don't think that there were many other people in my parents' circle who were entertainers in any capacity. My mom is a creative, like she's always loved fashion design. She went to school for that, you know, the fans of the arts for sure. But I think it was different than you and Melody in that neither of my parents, once my dad stopped, you know, gigging, that neither of my parents were involved in any way, And they had a big learning curve when it came to auditioning for theater, even community theater, and what rehearsal schedules were like. And, you know, I think we all kind of learned that together. And I think that as I got more and more involved in performing, I naturally just started meeting, you know, other people who had experience and learning from them. My parents... Yeah, no, none of their friends were involved in the arts at all. So I, you know, I got a lot of that community when I would work a job or when I would start taking singing lessons with a teacher or, you know, eventually in middle school, going to a performing arts magnet school, and then suddenly, there were other people who were as focused on it as I was
1: with the performing arts school that that you went to do you feel like you you grew a lot as a performer or did you get any other kind of value from experiencing that was it a good experience bad experience how was how was that for you
2: well, i went to a middle school and then i went to a high school and they both had a a focus in performance art mm-hmm. in the middle school say you know at the end of elementary school i got cast in my first equity show so alongside television work and the commercials and the voiceovers that I'd been doing, I now had my first professional theater experience. I played Mary in the Secret Garden down at Laguna Playhouse. And oh,
0: such a good show.
2: Such a good show. I'm, like, dying to do it again now that I'm older and play Lily, you know? But, yes – And that was such a wonderful experience and it elevated me so much as a performer and was unlike any theater production I'd ever been a part of before. And I think all of the learning that I took from that experience, you know, I started middle school and I thought, oh, my gosh, it's performing arts school. I've got to be great. What if I don't get into the musical theater class? What if I, you know, and majorly stressed about it. And showed up to orientation to audition, and I was like the only person who had a song from a Broadway musical, who wasn't singing just a pop song on the radio, who had a music track to accompany myself instead of being a cappella. And I quickly realized, okay, it's great that there's an outlet at my school, but this is This is not, this isn't going to carry me or grow me in any significant way. I am glad I went and it was nice to be involved in some shows here and there, but it was mainly like a show choir class and we would like compete at, you know, Six Flags and to call it a musical theater class was a stretch. When I went to Hamilton High School, that was much more competitive. And that was fantastic because as a musical theater kid there, our teachers would bring in outside working professionals, which was invaluable. I mean, Jane Lanier and John Rubenstein, or Rubenstein, however you say his name, who just played Tate and Ragtime. You know, a lot of people who are currently choreographing for all of the regional shows happening in LA that I was wanting to be a part of, like John Engstrom you know, we got to do a lot of cool workshops. Jason Alexander came to our school. And so yes, I feel like the curriculum in school itself was valuable. And I learned and grew from some of those classes. But the real nuggets of wisdom and takeaway lessons that I took with me into my professional life came from those working professionals, not from our teachers. And it was both good and bad. I mean, we did like, quote, unquote, Broadway level shows you know and they were impressive they were amazing sets costumes we did singing in the rain and it rained on stage it was phenomenal there was good with the bad you know I mean I had a couple devastating moments of like being the only one of my friends not cast in the ensemble of a show my sophomore year being made to feel like i was less than in a lot of ways. You know, just i think school can be really valuable and i think it can also be really damaging depending on who your teachers are and what the voices are saying around you, you know, what you choose to listen to or not. And so i have very mixed feelings about all school <laughs> for art. And for me, the tear down to build you back up method does not work and never has and it just leaves me broken, right? Yeah. So I found certain aspects of school very damaging and it took me a long time to bounce back, but then I did have some really awesome teachers who really took time to instill confidence in me and, you know, nurture talent and, and I will never forget them. (laughs) So I think it really, it depends. And I wouldn't know how to prepare my child for that one day. You know, I I don't know. With college, you know, I had a horrible experience and I was basically told you're never going to make it and you should find another career and, you know, we're kicking you out of school. And I was devastated. It wrecked me for a long, time. And looking back, you know, I wish I had, I had left that program and immediately gone into something else, whether or not it was for performance. What I ended up doing was moving to the city and and booking Thoroughly Modern Millie and then just working from there. But I was left to feel like kind of a fraud and had to really spend time working to find my value again and to not let that define me.
1: Wow. So for that, have you experienced any similar Challenges along your path that you've either bounced back from better or have had to deal with different uh, challenges along your path to where you are today.
2: Where am I today? Um,
0: <laughs> no, it's a Sunday. <laughs> yes, yeah, thank you.
2: I'm in my house because we're quarantined. Yep. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that the life of an artist presents challenges like that every single week of our lives. I'd say daily, but some of us aren't fortunate enough to be auditioning daily, but maybe two or three times a week. And I think challenges like that always come up because, you know, you're dealing with the subjectivity of the industry, the, you know, She's a little too this. She's not enough this. Just one person's vision doesn't always match what you bring naturally. And to learn to not take those things personally, but also some of the you know struggles that I feel I still deal with are the, the limitations of the industry itself. I feel complacent on people like a woman past a certain age with not enough credits in television or film. You know, I have a a really hard time breaking down doors to get auditions for on camera things. I fight like hell and they come along so infrequently that it's a miracle that I've booked any at all. So I think that it continues to be a difficult journey. Just because it's unpredictable and it's subjective and it's so outside of just the person and the person's talent and what the person brings and the person's work ethic. Like we all as artists can work our butts off and be damn good. And it still doesn't mean we're going to get the job. And so that feels very uncertain and scary and can sometimes, you know, bring up those old tapes from school. And uh, I think the challenge part of being an actor at the job is to continually keep the joy of it and continually turn off the voice that says you're less than.
1: Yeah. And for you, do you have a certain part of the arts that gives you that joy specifically that keeps you going there?
2: More than anything else? I mean, not really. You know, I love acting. I want to do more straight plays for television and less musical theater would be like my dream. Because what brings me the most joy is diving into a character. That said, I am a singer through and through like I was born singing and that's the primary way i earn my income is through my voice whether it's voice acting or you know singing for a cartoon or singing in a concert at a stadium and i love it it's easy to get burned out on that and so i have to find ways to keep the music fun to keep the joy in the in the music because i do it for my survival jobs too i sing at church as a worship leader and I sing at a restaurant as a server, and I teach voice lessons. And so, you know, when you use your voice that much, you know, I hardly listen to music that's not related to something I have to learn for a gig. And so that's sort of a struggle right now. The minute I have an opportunity to do it in front of people in like a concert mode, so like taking it out of an audition world or taking it out of like a survival gig world and putting it in just the context of pure performance the joy comes flooding back and it's like I can't stop it I can't help myself but to just fall in love with it and be over the moon and I I come off of it with such a high but in the day-to-day it's a very love-hate relationship right now and I think that really just comes from it extending into so many different areas what I love about acting and you know apart from my singing is that it really allows me to experience humanity in so many different ways and forms. And, you know, my voice can be anything it wants to be. I don't have to, I don't feel the pressure of being perfect like I do when I sing.
1: When you're singing, I didn't realize that you were able to leverage your singing in pretty much all aspects of of kind (laughs) of... How you're incredible. you're leading your day to day life, which is really <laughs> even right crazy. now. I'm
2: doing quarantine voice lessons for people. <laughs> That's yeah, we're, we're, you know, it's like it's great and it's a, it's a gift for sure. It's you know.
1: How did you find? I know that it's a working changing situation where you're you're trying to figure out the right balance between all of these things. But how did you find that initial chance to do all of the vocal teaching, the uh, mm. singing waiter situation, and then your other singing opportunities? How does that all kind of balance itself out?
2: From being a musical theater actor in New York, and then moving back to Los Angeles, the first job I booked was with Disney down at the park. And so, you know, that opened up kind of a survival gig slash performance gig opportunity for me. And after three years of doing that show, the show closed. It was just... I needed money. And it was, what can I do? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, what can I do that still gives me flexibility as an artist? Because if, you know, my agent calls, I'm going to go to my audition. I don't want to go to work. So they can't conflict. So the server thing is kind of what came from that. My friend Carly had been working there and she was like, well, they're flexible and it starts at four o'clock every day. So you have your days free. So that's how that happened. And, uh, you know, people at church, the church that I just attend normally found out that i performed with Disney and do this professionally. And so one Sunday they were like, when are you going to sing with us? And after volunteering for a while and not being paid and really just loving being up there with the band and, you know, then they said, Hey, we can offer you a part-time position and we can pay you. That was a life changer. And the voice lessons I've just over the years had certain people ask me and, for a while, I just said flat out, "No, I don't do that" because I didn't mm. know how. But I've been training vocally since I was six, seven years old. I've read books. I've worked as an apprentice with a teacher over in the UK. I've I've done I've done it, and I finally just had to grow a pair and decide to give it a try. So I started out with kids, and now I teach adults and children and teens and all levels. And you know, that's been a really neat thing that I feel also connects me to the joy of performing because, you know, one of my biggest loves of being on stage or voice acting is is that it gives you a little bit more of a platform to affect people's lives. Maybe a teenager looks at you in a different way because they've seen you on stage. To me, connecting with humans is like the most important thing in life. And so to be able to take any small level of achievement that I've have attained any success that I have, and then pour it back into other people. And teaching is a big part of that, getting to encourage and uplift and and inspire. I went on my diversion. <laughs> I started answering <laughs> your question, and then I just spun <laughs> out. <laughs> I warned you. <laughs> I mean, it's all a part of it, though. The wonderful
0: thing is that you're able to have the arts in your Survival job and in just your life in general, all the time, which I think is something that's hard to do. And it's hard to keep the love for it, to not burn out on it, because I'm sure it's something that can happen and has to people.
2: Yeah. You know, I was working two nights a week at the restaurant for a while. I was working three. And in January, I decided I'm, I'm done. I, I'm going to work one night a week. And I'm going to have a little faith that that's going to create space for more of what I want to be doing. To come into my life, you know? And uh, I wish I could tell you that that was a really smart, awesome choice and that I've been working nonstop, but then coronavirus happened. And so I haven't really seen how that's gonna work for me. But I also believe that when it stops being fun, you know, you have to protect your gift and protect your joy and make choices that are going to really preserve your love so that you can continue to kick ass at auditions and not be burned out so (laughs) that's a step I've taken which is good it feels good (laughs) it's a
0: hard step to take it's very hard yeah I think for artists in general to know when we're pushing a little too much or when we're stretching ourselves out a a little bit too much just because we can doesn't mean we should
2: (laughs) yes Yeah.
1: I know that I've got some of the the baseline information about kind of what what you're up to, but would love to hear a little bit about what you're you're doing uh, nowadays and some yeah. of the, the work that you're, you've done recently and and are looking sure. to do.
2: Well, I'm looking to do tons more voice acting because I love it. Voice acting slash like studio singing. I love being behind mm. a microphone in a studio. I love how how subtle you can be and how delicate the instrument is and how, how easily it picks up every tiny nuance. And it just, I feel like it's an art that is just so exciting and so controllable. That's very exciting to me. And, you know, I've had some recent success with, Toy Story 4 and before that a couple cartoons on on TV. and I would love to just see that grow for me. And one positive thing that's come out of the quarantine stuff is that you know my, my VO agency is no longer making agency auditions possible. We usually go into the agency and there's a booth director and there's a booth with all the equipment and you show up, do your thing and leave. Right. And uh, now I've I've learned how to do it on my computer with a professional grade mic. And I'm like nerding out over the fact that I can do it myself now. Yeah. So if I don't want to go in, I don't have to. And that can tip into doing my own projects. And it's very exciting. It just kind of opens up more for me. I'd love to do more of that. So, you know, it's exciting to kind of create your own projects and then see them actually start to take shape which you guys know about from creating your podcast
1: <laughs> yeah have you ever thought of doing a
2: podcast you have the time <laughs> I, haven't. I know I, well you, you say that i actually don't have the time i'm back in school so i'm doing online oh. school for my psychology degree Ooh, that's cool. incredible
0: <laughs> wait yeah. hold on you just dropped you just dropped that let's talk about that <laughs> the
2: beautiful thing about working for disney any hourly employee can go back to school for free and disney pays for All of it, your textbooks, everything. It's awesome.
0: I didn't know that. Wow.
2: Yeah. And because I'd never, you know, I have a master's in acting from a university in the UK, but I never finished my undergraduate degree here in the US. And it's pretty awesome, first of all, that I'm able to have a master's without my BA. But it's how things work over there. It's very, very cool. But I I always wanted to finish my undergrad. And I always thought about psychology, you know, I would never at this point in my life go back to school for acting, ever. But to, you know, be able to go for something entirely different. And I'm such a believer that we're better actors because of the knowledge that we gain from other areas of life and other areas of of art. And so it's been a really enriching thing. It's been a crazy making thing. I often have meltdowns and feel like I, you know, I'm completely overwhelmed and why did I take (laughs) this on? And it's awful and you know, Mm -hmm. but it's been a really cool thing to be able to do that. At this point in my life, I think it also helps keep the joy with the career stuff because it gives me something else to also be focused on. So I'm not strangling my art or my pursuits because I'm also so fully pursuing this degree and I really believe that when you you know to give you a musical theater reference that song metal arc <laughs> you know <laughs> you put something in a cage or you hold it too tightly and it dies and yeah. so to be able to take a step back and be like oh that agent didn't respond but it's okay because I have an essay to write I think I've seen you know career stuff open up in in Bigger and better ways for me because I'm in school.
1: I really like that. So I imagine that this is just one part of that then. You're doing that that schooling now, but do you have ideas of other things that you would want to do to kind of enrich your life or or give you kind of that extra space and perspective?
2: I can't handle very much more, to be honest. You know, I mean, being an actor is a full time job. And then to add school on top of that, to add student back into the mix, that's why I say it's kind of crazy making because it's like school's meant to happen when you're not working and you can devote all your time and attention to it because it is it's an enormous workload and you know that combined with still being a full-time actor and then having my money making survival jobs on top of that there's no time I mean I would like to get married and eventually have a kid and I feel like that's life enriching but -hmm. as far as taking on another hobby or another career there's just no way (laughs) When you
0: have to balance all of those things, how do you do it? How do you find the ways to not go crazy so that you are able to be a full-time student, full-time actor, and, you know, have a survival job? How do you balance that?
2: I think everyone's different. But for me, I, I get overwhelmed really easily. And so being committed to meditation and yoga every day helps me not... Spin out and be so overwhelmed that I can't think straight or see straight because that can happen to me very easily. So, I really, you know, in the beginning when I started going back to school, I was, I would chain myself to my desk all day and not do anything else. And I felt like, oh my God, I'm not living my life like all I'm doing. It's overtaking me. When I started gaining a little bit more balance and making time for things that feed me spiritually and physically that can calm my mind. Suddenly, it didn't open up more hours in the day, but it certainly opened up a little more space and mental capacity to take it all on. And I've just had to learn and I'm continually reminding myself, you know, that I don't have to get straight A's. I am, of course, but no.
0: Um... <laughs> you have to hold yourself to some standard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm starting to just adopt that spaghetti to the wall mentality. And I will literally like clock how long I've been sitting at my desk, knowing that I have a commercial like, audition in two hours and go, oh, spaghetti to the wall, finish it and submit it and don't even proofread. Like I don't care anymore. Like I'm learning to care less so that I can find balance because otherwise it would be one or the other and, and something gets lost. It's about compromise and it's about learning what deserves your full attention. And, you know, I recently submitted an assignment knowing full well that I left out a whole element that she'd asked for. And I was like, I don't care. I've done this really well, and I'm submitting it. And it's not important enough to me. And I got be. and she wrote, it was great, except you didn't. And I was like, yeah, I feel okay about that. I chose to spend more time on my voiceover auditions that day. And it, you know, that felt more fulfilling. So prioritizing and yeah.
0: It's hard to do. It's hard to do when you want to do it all. <laughs> yeah, it really is.
1: Yeah, no, that's incredible. It's actually really refreshing to hear that kind of perspective and, and kind of how you're you're approaching it. So that's really nice. Thanks for sharing that.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: So we like closing the show with some final questions that we'd love to ask you.
2: Yeah, great.
0: Amazing. Well, you kind of already touched on this, but to ask you a little more pointedly, <laughs> what is the hardest thing about pursuing the arts?
2: Mm, yeah, I would just have to say, for me, it is... Living with uncertainty and holding on to my self-worth, believing in what I bring as being valuable. Mm,
0: That's awesome. (laughs) On to the next question. Yes. Totally not on the same wavelength at all. (laughs) (laughs) I like spaghetti and meat sauce. Literally. Here we go. Are you ready? (laughs) What is your favorite piece of art right now? (laughs) Piece of
2: art? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's hard. Yeah, could be anything. Well, movie, TV I mean, show. I yeah, I was gonna say I love the TV show Sex Education. I'm like hmm. loving that show. Oh, I
0: haven't watched so, it yet, but I've had not- I've had so many people recommend it.
2: It's fabulous, and it touches on everything. It's hilarious. It's offensive. It's you know surprising. It's I I cried watching an episode. So that I would say, and then the other thing that came to mind is um Brandy Carlisle. Her album, Give Up Mm. the Ghost, I am obsessed. I play it a lot <laughs> what's your favorite piece of art right now i want to hear about you guys Ooh. i know that's not the point of the show but can i ask yes you
0: can <laughs> ask you uh, can do you want to go first
1: oh man uh okay so <laughs> i'm,
0: I'm I always gonna make I'm, him go first <laughs> yeah i'm I'm gonna
1: cheat a little bit just because uh we just watched it yesterday i i watched tiger king yes. on netflix you're
2: gonna say that's your favorite piece of is that art, Mitch? It, it, <laughs> Thank you, Juliana.
1: Not, not you. only is the documentary yeah. art, Joe, Joe freaking exotic is art.
2: uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. oh I watched God. one episode and I was like, I don't know if I want to spend my time with this anymore. It, it gets was... so
1: much better. Okay, you have to get okay, past the first episode. Because okay. it is absolutely freaking insane,
2: these oh people gosh. and what they yeah. do,
1: that it's so fascinating you can't like (laughs) i couldn't comprehend that people would live their lives this way and they just do it without a care in the world
2: (laughs) okay i still might have to make you defend why it's considered art but but I'll give it to you that it's fascinating, and I will give it another try. I'll watch the second one.
1: Okay, here I'll give it another try to show the the artistic part of it is throughout. Ultimately, the story is to better understand these people that you don't understand. I I have nothing in relation to them, like nothing in common. But yeah. I care about this one, like the one through line of Joe Exotic, and. Mm-hmm. You learn to really care for him. You realize mm-hmm. how awful a person he is, but you That'd still help. don't want him to get in trouble for anything they've done. And I think oh. that is incredibly well done work by the documentary. Yeah, uh, yeah. Totally. yeah. So yeah. it's like being able to tell the story that I'm intrigued and I want to know how he does in the end, but you yeah. realize that you, he's not exactly a good person. That's why it's so fascinating You're convincing right
2: now. Me. I'm, I'm going to stay on this tangent too.
0: for a little bit yeah, longer because, because I've hardcore. seen so many posts about it. Mitchell, what is your stance? Did Carol Baskin kill her husband?
1: <laughs> no, I think her okay. husband got away and is the slickest con artist of this lifetime of ours.
2: Oh, my goodness. Oh, all right.
0: I feel like I I I feel like I have to watch it just to keep up with pop culture, which is so annoying.
2: It's true, and yes, it is annoying.
0: Yeah. Uh, my favorite, I'm picking two as well. I've had a very hard time watching things right now because my brain needs a break, and I can't focus yeah. on things. So I've been mm-hmm. re-watching Community, and I just love oh, that show yeah. so much. yes and then the other thing is Dua Lipa just released her newest album and it is so
2: good so those
0: are my two those are my two things
2: I'm embarrassed to admit to you that I don't even know who that is so I'm gonna she's
0: a she's a new artist I'll send you her album she's great I'm sure you've heard her songs and you probably just don't know yeah she's I think she's been around for a couple years
1: what what's her most famous song Like, I don't know her either.
0: I'm going to pull up her Spotify and see what her most played is. As I can't.
1: Dua Lipa?
0: Dua Lipa. So D-U-A-L-I-P-A. She came out after I I typed in
1: D-U. Yes. Don't start now.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's on her newest. But the new rules one, this one, I hope we're not going to get copywritten, but I'm going to play it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll
1: just Just bleep this part out.
0: I can't sing like her. <laughs> You've probably heard this on the radio. Oh. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
1: Na, na, na. yeah, that yeah. one. Exactly. Good uh, job, Mitch. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, she's great. But yeah, her new album, which is released earlier than she wanted it to because somebody leaked it, which is a whole other story, but it's
2: really good. Awesome. Yeah. I will check it out. All right, okay. Mitch, and, and
1: now question. to ask Melody's favorite question. What keeps you up at night?
2: <laughs> uh oh, how much time do we have? No, actually, I'm a really good sleeper. The only time I'm up at night, I mean, I, we, I can answer this a little more metaphorically as well. Honestly, I, I'm the person that hits the pillow, and I'm out in two seconds. Like I crash. That's the nice. only time I. <laughs> And kept up at night or really, really panic is when I let my thoughts get too far ahead of right now. So if I go down worst case scenario paths, be it about career or this pandemic, or, you know, result from a test at the doctor, like whatever it may be, I can work myself up into enough of a frenzy that I will get the night sweats and lie awake all night and heart pounding and, you know, have to turn to like, sleep apps and youtube videos to like try to calm myself down short of that as long as i can keep myself in a one day at a time like this moment is is fine I'm, I'm fine right now i tend to be okay you know thoughts of the broader answer would be thoughts of like what if i don't make it you know what if i don't get to where i want to be or you know, what if I'm still a waitress when I'm (laughs) forty? Like those those are unpleasant thoughts that can cause anxiety. But I really do, you know, try to filter it all through. In this moment life is good and I'm grateful and and it's okay and it's gonna be you know yeah. and gratitude like if you can root yourself in that oh 100 you know the things that are keeping you up seem a little less significant you know oh boo hoo i don't have a good tv agent sending me out right now Well, i'm healthy and the people i love haven't been diagnosed with coronavirus you know i mean i know that's a very like pollyanna way to look at it but i feel like that's really the truth of the situation like i've done some great work if that's all I ever do that's been successful and it's enriched my life and I have friends and love and you know those things are are the things I need to keep focused on so
0: yeah I think especially in the arts that mindset is so important Yes, because you can get into it for such materialistic things and if you are not doing it for the love of the art and knowing that at some point it could just stop then it's gonna just destroy you (laughs)
2: Yep, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's so important to like continually do your art, whether or not people are hiring you. You know, like if you're not acting, get in the cloud. Like if you're not singing enough, record videos of yourself and post them on your Instagram. Like <laughs> it's the continual doing, I think, that keeps us from going down those dark paths as artists. It's when we're not doing it that we start to become not okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving yeah. on to our
0: final question. Oh, okay. <laughs> to a person that might be interested in pursuing the arts while still working a nine-to-five job, what advice would you give them?
2: Well, I guess it depends on which part of the arts. You know, I'd say audition for local theater productions because that's great training for anyone. If you're nine-to-five, usually community theaters will hold rehearsals after work hours. So you're able to do work and still, you know, rehearse and perform. I'm a huge believer that theater training is so important and, you know, benefits all other areas. If you want to be a voice actor, start listening to as many cartoons as you can and compiling, you know, different bits of text that you might use to eventually create a demo. So that without a demo, you can't get work. You have to be able to have a reel so that you can get an agent and you can, there are some sites that you can put up your reel and people who are casting certain projects come to those sites and listen to people's reels. So I'd say start there. Yeah, training and doing are like key, (laughs) you know, it's the business side of it is hard and takes time, but there's a lot of practical stuff that you can do to prepare yourself right now. So whether that's class, you know singing lessons or an acting class or just getting involved with a theater company i would say start there
1: hey guys thanks for listening
0: you can find out more about our guest on instagram and twitter at juliana hansen and her website for vocal students Julianavoice.com.
1: juliana's information and more details about the interview can be found on our website at www.artisticpodcast.com
0: If you like the conversation, do us a favor and share it with a friend. It's the best way to help people find our podcast and will help support the show.
1: For updates on new episodes and content, you can follow us at The Artistic Pod on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week.
2: I'm trash. It's from Toy Story.